Thanks so much, Barry. It is great to be here with you. And uh, my daughter just brought in, standing all the way in the back, uh, the newest arrival in the Davis family. She's standing back there. And uh, she just had a little baby a little over two months ago. Stephen and Catherine had uh, my first grandchild. Isn't that something? It is incredible. Somebody told me this is why you go through the trouble raising children. It is for the grandchildren. God knows that. Well, it is a great joy to be with you all. And turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm 46. I want to tell you uh, that uh, the Lord being the Lord, uh, the sermon that I uh, had prepared today has already been preached. And so this is just a confirmation. And the scriptures that we're going to look at or is about not to worry in the battle, that the battle is the Lord's. And so I think God's got something that He wants to say today. I'm pretty sure of it, because we've already heard it. And so turn to Psalm 46. By the way, just a couple of things while you're turning. I have a, I've been blessed to do a lot of things. As a matter of fact, uh, I met with a pastor this week, and he said, I don't say this about many people but I'd be darned if I'm not wishing I had your life. And I said, well, that's a terrible thing to do. It's unbiblical, first off. <clears throat> but then he said, how many times are you going to Israel this year? And I said, uh, well, right now I'm going five, and I'm going to head to Rome and the uh, seven churches also. And he said, uh, oh, I'll be darned. Really? I go, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, if you want to go with me, uh, did you know that Maranatha School of Ministry, this is part of our DNA, we go to Israel, and that's what we do. We're going to pray. We're going to pray, Sarah, in the Garden of Gethsemane for one hour. We'll be praying there. And we always say, for those who fall asleep, we must rebuke them. It is <laughs> the way that goes. But we won't have anybody fall asleep. Isn't that right, Sarah? We will not. You all have been, haven't you? Yeah, you've been. Yeah, so if you'd like to go, you can't go on the Maranatha unless you're a Maranatha student. Uh, you can't go on that tour, but if you want to go on May 16th, you want to go to Israel, please feel free to talk to my wife. She'll be out at the table where it says the Israel Adventure. I'd love to take you. We've had a lot of people go from Heart of the Father, and I understand uh, that we uh, are probably going to start doing more trips uh, for Heart of the Father to Israel, but if you want to go this year, would you like to go to Israel? Yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It is awesome. Uh, let me encourage you. Also, I want to let you know at the end of the service, we've been talking about abortion, and uh, the church that I was a part of, I feel so at home here because every year we would go down and we would, we would march in front of abortion clinics, and we would march on the Capitol. Uh, we would march on my neighbor's lawn. No, okay, just... Uh, <laughs> and uh, I felt it our job to be a prophetic voice in the community saying the shedding of innocent blood is not okay. It's not all right. We will not serve Moloch. Uh, and so the spirit of Moloch, uh, this is this, uh, the God in Israel to whom children were sacrificed before the Israel's, uh, Israelites came in, Moloch is alive today and still working. And so I want to encourage you to get involved. One of the ways that you can get involved, by the way, is not just to stop abortion. That's the best thing. But we need to do something about the children that nobody wants. And this is one of the criticisms, by the way, of the, of the people who want abortion. Well, we have all these unwanted children. Well, I got a couple things to say that. Number one, 
Clearly God doesn't want, not, clearly God wants them because he gave them life. But the second thing is, and you may not know this, the early church got a name in the Roman community because they had a practice in Rome and the children would be presented to the father after birth. And if the father did not like them, for whatever reason, the father would do this. Does anybody know what the father would do if the child would live? This would happen with each child. Does anybody know? Go ahead and show it to me. Is this it? No, this means I want a chariot ride. Okay? The symbol for life is this. And so the father would make a decision. So what happened to those children that the father went like this to? They were put outside the city walls for the wolves to eat. Now, the early Christian community got a name for itself because it did something. Anybody want to take a guess what it did? It took all the unwanted children, scooped them up, and raised them as their own. And the Romans thought they were idiots. But a few centuries later, the cross is hanging over every street in Rome. And Rome is conquered by the witness of those who believe in life. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in a fight. And at the end of our time today, we're going to take up an offering for an orphanage slash group home called Anchor House, of which I am executive director, in which I get to see the unwanted children. I get to see the worst of humanity. 86% of our children are abused. And then I get to see the best. The people that want to come alongside and help care for these children. So ladies and gentlemen, let's pray for all the little children of this world. Because I remember a little song that goes, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of this world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of this world. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm about ready to break in song, so I better start preaching, shall we? All right, we're looking at Psalm 46 today. And as I mentioned, we've, we've already received uh, the, literally what the Lord has placed on my heart. And so this is merely a confirmation of what you have already heard. And so here we go. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts His voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations that He has brought on the earth. He makes war cease. 
to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns and shields with fire. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you now and we thank you for the great opportunity that we have to hear your word. And Holy Father, we pray that as we come, that your Holy Spirit would come and dwell in the midst of us and that we would be the recipients of your grace and mercy. Holy Spirit, lead us into all truth, particularly the truth about you. And Holy Spirit, reveal to us the riches of your word so that we might be changed into your image and likeness. Come, Holy Spirit, speak to your people. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Daddy, I'm scared. I'm scared. Have you ever had a thunderstorm that actually shook the house? How many of you have ever been woken up by a thunderstorm? Raise your hand. We had one not too long ago, and I can remember hearing the boom and the lightning, and it almost lit up the whole house. We saw this light just breaking through the windows, and we heard this rumble of thunder, and everybody in the house woke up. It was a a few years ago, as a matter of fact, we were in our home up in Conowingo, Maryland, and, and I remembered that the lightning was particularly intense, and all of a sudden, I, I heard our youngest daughter, Rachel, come running into our room. Daddy, I'm scared. And then my son began to wander over, but he was a man. He, of course, wasn't really scared. He just happened to be wandering that direction and wondered if he could come into our room for a short respite. And then my oldest daughter followed, and all of them jumped into bed with us as the thunder began to roar. I can remember I had a dog when I was younger. Her name was Cindy, and whenever the thunder would go, she would go run and hide under the bed, and she would quiver and shake. Today I'd like to talk to you about the power of stillness. And I'd like to talk to you about the power of stillness because when you know that there isn't any reason to worry at all, the Scriptures say this, be still and know that I am God. And what does it mean to be still and know that He's God? It means that you have been overcome with the awe of God, that you have seen, you are like Isaiah, that you come upon the Lord and you say, woe is me, I am undone. And you come into His presence and you sense the power that He has only touched the hem of His garment and you will be made whole. But we live in a world of deception in a world where we can't see clearly, as a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says these words we see through a mirror dimly. And in 
the Greek town of Corinth in which this was actually written to, it had a mirror industry, meaning that in fact they created mirrors, but the mirror was not glass, it was actually tin. And so when Paul says we see through a mirror dimly, what he means is we see through a tin mirror. And in fact, it doesn't give a greater reflection. And so while we're on earth, a lot of times you can be deceived by all the things that you see. And many times there's a prayer, oh God, open our eyes that we can see clearly. Paul talks about the blindness that has resulted about those who can't see. But even for those who believe, we still have a little bit of blindness that are in us that we don't see clearly enough. If we did, you'd never, ever worry one second. The God Almighty whose strength is more powerful than all of the men in the world combined, than all of the universe combined, that God is the God who is in control of your life. But for most of our lives, we dwell in the shadows of fear. And we live a life in the shadows. And in living in the shadows, we can't see clearly. We see only dim images of God and only dim images of His love and His grace. And so Psalm 63 calls us back to get in touch with this God. It says, God... Verse 1, is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even if the earth gives way. I know that it, you might be saying, Dr. Davis, that's, that's pretty big. You're right. But let's keep reading. And even if the mountains fall into the sea, and though the waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, and she will not fail. God will help her at the break of day. I can remember preaching in a church in Barbados. And yes, some of us have to suffer for the Lord and go to Caribbean islands to preach. <laughs> it is a great and horrible thing that one has to suffer through. But yes, I've been blessed to to have some suffering on the island of Barbados. As a matter of fact, I was so focused, I didn't even realize that it was a great place to go vacation. I didn't know much about it. Got down there, and I thought, oh, my golly, this is nice. But, you know, I was there to do a conference, there to speak in the morning, speak at night. And about uh, midway through, I was there for a whole week. It, I finally figured out maybe this was a place where I should have invited my wife. <laughs> it takes me a little while. And I called her up and I said, you need to drop what you're doing and come on down here. This place is crazy good. This is like a little tiny paradise. You should come down. And she did. And we had a vacation after that. But before, I, I can remember preaching in a little church on the side of a cliff in Barbados. The cliff was like something out of a movie. It looked like something that, you know, that, that people throw themselves off when they're, they, they can't take it anymore. It was, I don't know how high it was, but if you fell, you die. And then I remember that we were, we were, I was preaching in this little church. I, I think it probably held 100 people, and it was literally built not on the side of a mountain, but hanging over. Okay? You got the picture here? It's hanging. It's not on the side. It's constructed so that, like the, like the building is like one-eighth on the, on the land, and the seven-eighths are hanging over. 
This is true. I'm not making this up. And so I first got my seat. There was a seat over near the window. That was, that was the wrong place to sit. That was the wrong place to sit. And, and, it, and the waves were like crashing. It wasn't these calm Caribbean, you know, still waters. What, what anything like. This was like angry ocean. And it was just like crashing down. And so I sat there and I looked down and I went, Ooh, yeah, don't think I want to jump off this one. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm looking around, and I'm thinking to myself, and this was horrible to think. I'm really sorry for saying this. This was really horrible. I was thinking to myself, I wonder what the building codes are <laughs> in Barbados. Yeah, did, they, did they have building? <laughs> yeah. I, I, know it's, I know it's just wrong, and, and, uh, but I'm like, do they, do they actually have building codes here? Because I'm looking at the building, and I'm thinking, no one inspected this one. <laughs> this is not inspected building here. Because it looked like somebody just got together on a church work day and threw it together. Seriously, I mean, frightening stuff. I had a church work day when I was a pastor, I remember, and we're not all called to the same thing. And, you know, I got a hammer and started working. And one of the guys in the church pulled me aside and said, some people are called to sweep. Can you, can you lay down that hammer and walk away quietly? Thank you. Well, it looked like something that I would build. And, and, it, and frankly, it, it was frightening. And I'm I looking and I'm thinking, yeah, this place will this place probably hold like 50, 60 people, maybe 100. And, and then people started coming in by the boatloads. I mean, for a building of 100, it had an easy 250 in it. Oh, this is making me feel really good. So I'm thinking, we're, we're just going to all die. This is, this, I'm, I'm, you know, I always, I, I don't want to die quietly. Why not going out in a blaze, you know? And, and so what it was is I was preaching a pastor's, uh, she'd been in ministry for 25 years. I was preaching her 25th anniversary. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't even know the woman. Why am I here? God, why, why have you brought me here to die? <laughs> and so all these people were getting like shoved in, you know, and I felt like it's one of the, uh, like a subway in Japan. They're just like shoving people in and they're just getting packed and packed in with each person. I'm losing faith. <laughs> I'm just like, this is horrible. This, this building was never meant to hold this many. We're wall-to-wall people. Well, if that wasn't bad enough, so anyway... Their music ministry absolutely rocked the place. And so they open up, and the bass on that thing, it started shaking the building, you know? Oh, this is really good. I mean, the bass is so loud, it, uh, you know, it's shaking the building, and I'm like, oh, oh, great. And so if it doesn't get worse, this is a Pentecostal church, so they're just, you know... You know, they're jumping up and down, and I'm going, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus. And so I think I might as well jump with them. Let's all go home to be with the Lord. Let's go home to be with the Lord, you know. And this census was a special service. Service lasted for an hour, you know. The worship was an hour, and they're jumping up now. I'm go- yeah, this will be my last sermon. <laughs> But in that moment, I realized 
though the mountains give way. The Lord is on His throne. And even if you didn't have good building inspectors, God is on His throne. And so I heard Him say these words, Be still! And let me take care of it. The very first sermon that I preached for Anchor House, I went to a little church. And when they hired me, I told them, I'm going to spend every dollar you have because we need to make this place look better. Nobody wants to come to a place that looks like it's decrepit. And true to form, I spent $30,000 in my first month making changes. We had 90000 in the bank, and I'd already cut through one-third of it within a month. That was our loss for that month. So I remember telling my wife, well, this would be the shortest executive director in the history of Anchor House. They've been around since 74, but I have come to, come to make it pass away. And so I went to the first church, and I told the church, I need your prayers, because we've uh, spent one-third in one month of all we got. And at this rate, we'll only be around for three months. And I remember praying throughout that week, God, please don't, please don't let the whole thing go down the, the, the John in three months. And the Holy Spirit kept saying to me, this isn't about you. You have nothing to do with how I take care of it. Leave it to me. So after I preached my first sermon, a woman walked up to me and she said, uh, I love what you're doing there. Here's $30,000. Keep up the good work. And I said, well, thank you, but do you have anything for Anchor House? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> just, I'm just joking. <laughs> That's just wrong. That's just wrong. Sanctified people ought not to think like that. So why are you laughing? No, no, no. In verse 10, it says these words, Be still and know that I am God. What does it mean to be still and why can't we do it? Be still means that you have a calling, that God is calling you to realize who He is. Be still means it's a command. It's not something that do it when you can. It's something He wants you to do now. And be still is a comfort. So I'm going to say it this way. It's a calling, it's a command, and it's a comfort. It's a calling, it's a command, and it's a comfort. Now, what do we mean when we say it's a calling? Well, it's in the Scriptures. The Scriptures have a lot to say about it. In 1 Kings 19, 12 through 13, and we'll flash it up for you, we have Elijah. And Elijah is, remember, coming because Jezebel is after him, and he's a little freaked out. Now, I, I want you to get this picture. Here's a man of God who has just called down fire from heaven. And he gets message that Jezebel's out to get him, and he freaks out. He's scared. Now you might say, Dr. Davis, great men and women of God, they never, they never struggle. Yeah, it's just not biblical. He does. 
As a matter of fact, the first question that God asks him when he goes to Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai, he says, what are you doing here? Well, I'm the only one. Everybody else has abandoned you, Lord. I'm the only one that's following you. How many of you have ever felt like, I'm, a, I'm the only one? I'm the only one. You don't raise your hand, but I know in your heart some of you go, yeah, it's true. And, of course, it's interesting. God says to him, well, actually, uh, there's 3,000 people uh, who haven't bowed their knee to Baal. But uh, let's go back to that only one thing. And he says, I'll tell you what, you go out and meet me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to show up in, 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 a, in a more powerful way. And you remember the story, there's a fire that passes by, but Elijah knew God enough to know that, in fact, that he, he wasn't in the fire. A storm comes, not in the storm, earthquake. Nope. But you know the story. A gentle breeze begins to gently waft before the mountain. And when the gentle breeze comes, he hides his face. Because he knew God was in the breeze. God was in the gentle breeze that was there. And so throughout the Scriptures, we hear some of the most powerful demonstrations of God are those moments of silence where we are still before Him, and He moves. He does it all. And this is not to say that you should not be on your knees praying day in and day out, but there comes that moment where God responds and He says, just watch what I'm going to do. An example from the Bible. Remember, the disciples are on the Sea of Galilee and the storm is just tossing them about and Jesus is asleep in the boat and they're freaking out because they're going to, they think they're going to die and so they wake Him up and they go, don't you care about us? First, notice how concerned Jesus was with the storm. He's asleep. And isn't the truth of the matter when you're reading about Jesus, doesn't he just like, look like the calmest person on the face of the earth no matter what's going on? I mean, yeah, he flips over tables. I like that part. I can identify with that. But the majority of Jesus is he's just like God is in control. Like, for example, when he's before a pilot, Pilate says to him, listen, don't you understand that I have the power of life and death in my hands? And Jesus says, yeah, the only power you have is what is given to you from above. What's your point? And I have to tell you, when I first read that, I, had, I, I really began to understand who Jesus was because he's just not intimidated at all because he absolutely knows God's got it in control. And effectively, he's saying to Pilate, you talking to me? Yeah? You talking to me? Let me tell you how this is going to work, okay? You are a pun. You're a punk. That's it. We're running the show, not you. Jesus is in control all of the time. Blaise Pascal says it this way, the whole problem of mankind is that we're unable to sit in a room alone and be quiet. Our need for constant activity and entertainment is a weakness of spirit. 
that makes us prone to temptation because our distracted self never meets our real self. And since the two cannot meet, we don't actually know who we are. And part of what we do in prayer is we sit before God, we kneel before God, and God reveals to us who we are. And this creates more prayer. The more I see myself, the more I need Jesus. But what is the stillness that God calls us to? It is jaw-dropping awe. Let me say it again. The stillness is jaw-dropping awe. I'll say it one more time. Stillness is jaw-dropping awe. Where we realize that all God has to do is just speak. And it happens. All he has to do is blink, and the entire universe disappeared. This is the awe that I'm speaking about, to realize who it is that we're praying to, to realize who is in control, to realize the power that he has. And so after the disciples disturbed Jesus from his sleep, he says to them, where is your faith? Now, the normal person would say, you know, listen, that's all a great little line about faith, but I'm about to die. So, uh, could you do your Jesus thing here? And Jesus stands up and he says to the wind and the waves, no more. Listen to it, ready? Be still. And the wind and the waves obey him. And so what is it that God is telling us we need to be still before him? We need to have jaw-dropping awe. We need to know who He is and believe it. Of all the people that I've seen in a healing ministry, the person who I admire the most is Catherine Kuhlman. And if you've never seen Catherine Kuhlman, you should YouTube one of her videos. You can do the Las Vegas one. It's excellent, but she has a bunch of them. But what would begin to occur, and they would say this, that Catherine Kuhlman would begin to preach until the Holy Spirit and the presence of God begin to fall. Now, you might say, well, Dr. Davis, you're a theology teacher. You should know that God is omnipresent. I do, but the density of his presence can be different in different places. And so what began to occur is she would begin to preach, and the power of the Holy Spirit would begin, and she'd just stop. And she would say these words almost constantly whenever the Holy Spirit was beginning to move. She would say, everybody be quiet. Silently, reverently. And then she would begin to sing, Alleluia. And a holy hush would fall over the entire place. And then God would just open up heaven. And left and right, people would be healed. What was going on in that moment? It was that holy stillness, that calmness that precedes the power of God. And in our active, energized, and super hyper world, we've lost that. We've lost the ability to be quiet before God and let Him move. And so be still is not just a calling, it's a command. It's something that God wants you to learn to do. And he wants you to learn it now. He wants you to be able to quiet your soul. 
Is there a scripture that says anything like that? Psalm 131, 2 says it this way. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. My soul is like a child who has just been fed. Catherine, are you able to come up? Come on up. And I get to see this, and I'm going to tell you part of Part of my imagery when I, I think about the Scripture, I think about a newborn infant. And I think about what it looks like in its mother's arms. I think about a child that's perfectly content. Do you know that's God's wish for you? To have a peace that passes. Can anybody finish it for me? My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. And Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ, listen to these words, rule in your heart. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. This baby's been in here the entire service and is just as quiet as could be. Can we get a close-up of this or no? Don't have the ability. Will he cry if you take him out? Most likely. Oh, there he is. Look at that. Handsome little guy, isn't he? This is an argument against my genetics. But look how content this child is. You can't see it all the way in the back. Pass the baby around, would you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> This is what God wants you to be in all of your stress and strife. He wants you to know he's got it all under control. Thank you, Catherine. And, and Elijah, thank you. You made your first public appearance. Good. <laughs> be still and know that I am God. Dr. Andy Newberg has been doing studies on how prayer affects your brain. And he's written numerous books, one of them, How God Changes Your Brain. What is his job? He's a neuro neurologist. And the people might say that he has a lot of nerve to write books on prayer. Thank you. But he actually has done one on speaking in tongues and watching how your brain works when you begin to speak in tongues. Some interesting information there. Number one, it doesn't seem to affect the language center. It's coming from somewhere else. But just as interesting and maybe just as powerful that when people speak in tongues, and usually it's referred to as like ecstasy or it's, it's something, you know, that people are in, in, in like a heightened or frenzied state they speak in tongues. At least that's the world's view of things. But brain imaging shows that when you speak in tongues, actually there is a calming effect on your brain itself. And the brain waves give evidence of your brain calming. Isn't that something? Isn't that beautiful? And so the Lord is trying to shout... I got it all under control. And one of the things that happened to me in 
praying and, and the Lord speaking to me was I remember going to my prayer group leader and I, I asked them, I said, so like you guys seem to hear God's voice and, and, and like that never happens to me. And she said, well, how are you praying? And I said, well, I pray like everybody else. I get on my knees and, you know, and I pray for mom and dad and I pray for, you know, this long list of people and, you know, and, uh, you know, after those five minutes are done, I have to think about people to pray for. And so I go down a long list of prayer, and she goes, so how much time are you listening? And I was like, well, I don't listen. I mean, I thought God was going to speak to me. I don't really have to do anything. He just speaks. And she said, well, that's not how this works. What you have to do is you have to quiet your soul Hear it? And you have to listen for the Lord to speak to you. And I thought, well, why didn't you just say something? And she said, this is part of your spiritual exercise to be prepared, to be ready. And so you sit and you listen and you wait for God to speak to you, and he will. Well, I'm going to be very honest with you, just for those of you who might feel discouraged because you prayed and you don't hear anything. I mean, there were weeks that went by. I didn't hear anything. I don't even know how long. It was a long time. And then I was praying, and I was being obedient to what I'd been told, and I was praying, and all of a sudden, in my brain, a voice spoke to me and said, pray for Martha, that she will have a baby. And I thought, well, that's a strange thing. I haven't even thought of Martha, who was my like second cousin through 30 times removed. I haven't thought of her for like years. I thought, I wonder if that's God. I thought, well, it can't hurt. Might as well pray she gets pregnant. And so I said, dear God, I, I pray that Martha would, would get pregnant. Lord, uh, I don't know if Martha wants to get pregnant, but you go ahead and get her <laughs> pregnant. It was so strange that I, I thought I'd call up my aunt. She, she'll, she'll know. I said, uh, hey, Patricia, um, I, I, is Martha pregnant? She says, no, honey, but she's been trying for years. And she's very discouraged. So would you pray for her? I said, you can count on it. I'll do it. She said, all right, thanks, honey. The next day, my aunt called me. How'd you know? Know what? Martha is pregnant. She didn't tell anybody. I said, really? And she said, how did you know? Were you praying for her before you called me? I said, yes. <laughs> and she said, did God speak to you? And I said, yes. I think. And then I did what's called a pregnant pause. Never mind. <laughs> and she said, that is freaky. I go, no, I don't think it is. I think that's the way this is supposed to be. I, I think that's how God likes to do things. And I said, so, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep praying. 
the Lord began to speak to me so clearly that there wasn't any question in my mind. And the more he spoke, the more sure I was of his voice. And so we are called to be still, but I'm going to go further. I think it's something that God wants you to do because it's in his word. That you are to, let me read it to you again. I have calmed and quieted my soul. Who, who did that? I did it. You say, well, the Lord did it. Yes, he gave you the power to do it. Now do it. Did you hear it? You say, well, I just can't. Yes, you can. Do you have the power of the Holy Spirit living in you? I think you do. Is he more powerful than anything, including your flesh? Yeah. I think so. And you may say to me, Dr. Davis, I have attention deficit disorder. I'm still telling you to pray and calm your soul. Now, you might say, that is completely unfair. No, it's not. Because the more you try, the more success you have, regardless of the gradation and the level. But the second thing I want to tell you is, I know members of my family who are diagnosed with this, and I'm kind of an active fellow myself, if I may say so. Again, listen to all the things that I do. I run a boys' home slash orphanage. I preach on the weekends, and I teach at two schools, and I try to best to love my family to the best of my ability. I am active, very active. And I want to tell you that members of my family have been diagnosed with ADHD, but it was always a surprise to the therapist because they said they seem to have much more control over themselves than most people I see. I don't doubt that. And I don't doubt that I would be one heck of a mess if it wasn't for Jesus living inside me who gives me the power to confront even tendencies and proclivities that I have in my flesh. And I don't believe that we all start from the same point, but I know that we have the same God and He's able to do anything. And I don't wish to diminish the struggles that different people have because some of you struggle a whole lot more than others in various areas, and none of us start from the same point. And your only hope is that there's a God who's able to help you. So I want you to start acting as if God is in control and using prayer as a resource to be able to calm and battle your flesh because left to itself, it will dominate you. Here are the Scriptures in Proverbs 16.32. He that is slow to anger is stronger than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit are better than those who take a city. What if you had that kind of power? As a pastor, sometimes I would get in disputes with people over various things, and in all honesty, that's part of the job. And there was a man who didn't like what I was saying to him, and he began to yell at me. And one of our teenagers said to his mom, I don't know what the argument was about, but I know who won. Dr. Davis doesn't seem to lose his cool no matter how intense the situation is. 
And the man who was speaking to him was completely out of control. Dana will tell you, my wife, and I'm thankful for these words. Everybody who argues with my husband is at a disadvantage because he can outpatience them. And he will wait until the proper time. Be still and know that I am God. Have you had those moments where you've come to that realization? The more that you have them, the more you will exhibit self-control in your behavior. The more that you have them, the less you will be a prey to Satan. The more you grab hold of the fruit of the Spirit which is freely given to you, the more that you will be able to show the victorious power of Christ. My brother says of me, I don't know of anybody who was more radically changed. My brother was violent and completely out of control, filled with anger. Until one day he asked Christ to come into his heart. And he changed. Be still. And know that there is someone bigger and more powerful that goes to fight your battles for you. Exodus 14, 12 through 14. We'll throw it up on the screen for you. It says this. Didn't we say in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. But Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. It's the hardest thing in the world, isn't it? When you know if you can only do this, that, or the other thing, to be still and know that He's God. To allow Him to do His thing. And yet it's something that we're called to do something that we're commanded to do, and if we do it, we will receive His comfort because the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. St. Augustine said it this way, My soul does not rest until it rests in Thee. And some of you will spend your whole lives in anxious activity, waiting till your deathbed before you finally take a breath and rest. Some of you are so afraid of seeing what is deep down inside because you're not really sure that Jesus loves you that much. But at the moment that you know that he loves you, you can be like this little baby in my daughter's arms, resting in his arms, knowing that nothing can separate you from the love of your Father. 
the love of the God who created you. My great-grandmother lived to be 105. She's one of my heroes. She's my hero for a good way and a bad way. I hope to imitate her. Her favorite food was deep-fried fat. I'm not making this up. I have never seen anybody eat so much gravy and so much fried food in all my life. And she's my hero. I wish to imitate her. I want to go home today, and I'm not going to get it. I'm going to tell you right now. I want to go home and have fried chicken and mashed potatoes smothered in gravy and fried okra. And my grandfather was always jealous of her. And he said, that old woman's going to outlive me. And she did. She says, he's 20 years older than me. She's still going to live longer. And he was right. And people would ask her, because centurions back 30 years ago weren't that popular. There weren't that many of them. And people would say, what is your secret? And she had one answer. Trust in the Lord. And my grandfather would say about her, she doesn't have a care in the world. No wonder she can live longer. Trust in the Lord. Can you add one little span to your life by anxiety and worry? Truth is, it takes it. And so my great-grandmother got it right. Trust in the Lord. And so, ladies and gentlemen, when you are able to quiet your soul before God and to know that He's going to take care of you, you have more power than anybody on the face of the earth. Mrs. Davis thinks that I uh, was going to be fired from every single job I've ever had. That's true. Is that right? She said, she's almost like, yeah, yeah. And if you know me long enough, you'll know that I'm just likely to say something that'll get me fired because I'll challenge things that I believe are evil or wrong. And I can remember a time when I was working writing behavioral plans and my boss said, I need you to backdate some things here so we can get our money. And I said, I won't do it. And he said, you are one selfish, narrow-minded person. We will lose money if you don't do this. And I said, I suppose you should have thought of that before you hired me. And he says, are you serious? You're going to have people fired, lose their jobs because you're going to have morality enter into the equation? And I said, yes, because it wasn't my morality that put us in this place. It was your lack of diligence. Now, that's the kind of thing that gets me fired. I'm, you know. Yeah. Now you understand why my wife goes, yeah, he'll get fired. But he said, give me those things, and he signed them. Months later, he wanted to come talk with me because I was the only honest person that he knew. 
And he considered me his best friend because he could trust me. Be still and know that he is God and that human beings don't take care of you. God does. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up now. Because the more that you realize that God can calm any storm, the less that you have to take the burden. And for so many of us who are believers, we, we try to be our own saviors. We try to do things that will create peace. But the closer that you come to him, the more you'll know that was just never your job. Your job is to be still and know that He is God. Well, I told you about my daughter and my whole family being scared of the thunderstorm. A couple of years ago, my uh, daughter and I were driving down uh, Cleveland Heights. It began to rain so hard, you wondered if you ought to pull over. I don't ever pull over. I go straight through the storm. But as we were going through, she said, uh, I love storms. I said, yeah, me too. And I said, uh, Kate, uh, why do you love storms so much? And she said, oh, Daddy, don't you remember? I said, no, I pretty much lost all my memory. (laughs) She said, whenever a storm would come, you would grab me and hold me. Do you remember that we would sit on the porch when the storm would come in a rocking chair and you would hold me in your arms and you would say these words, there's nothing to be afraid of. God is here. And that power that you hear is nothing compared to His power. And we can enjoy even the storms. If we can but believe that there's a God who is greater than any storm. A God who wants to comfort us in the midst of it. And a God whose main desire when you're in the storm is to have you crawl up on his lap and have him put his arms around you and say, I love you. And she said, when I hear a storm, I think of my daddy holding me and telling me about God. Be still and know that he
is God. Be still. Be still and know that He is God. Let's pray. stand to your feet and let us worship the Lord. The Lord is healing someone's stomach right now. The power of the Holy Spirit is moving through your body. You came in here and your stomach was actually hurting you. And the Holy Spirit is taking it away right at this very moment. The power of God go through that body in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that it be completely gone. The power of God just went through someone, someone's body. Where is the person? You've been healed. You had a stomach right here. The Lord has healed you. Thanks be to God. Go ahead and give the Lord a round of applause.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Someone over here, the Lord is healing. The power of the Holy Spirit just began to fall right over here. The power of God just began to fall right over here. Lord Jesus, I pray for your healing touch right over here. The power of Jesus is just moving right in this area right here. Reach out to him whatever your need is. The power of God is right, right over here. The power of God is moving through the spine. Jesus, there's a left leg. I don't know what's wrong with it, but it's from the, it's from the knee down. There's something I don't know what's wrong with it. It's from the knee down. The power of God is moving through this. Jesus, straighten that leg in the name of Jesus. Straighten it in the name of Jesus. The power of God moves through that body in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There's a left ear healing. The power of God move through, moving through this body in the name of Jesus. There is a left ear healing. Lord Jesus, we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we pray for your spirit just to touch that ear. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Where is the leg healing? There's someone who has been healed. A leg right here. Has the Lord healed your leg? Come right here. It is? Thanks be to God. Let's pray for complete healing. Let's pray for a complete healing. Come right here if you would. Brandon, right behind. The power of God just moved through this body in the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, the power of God just moved through this body. In the name of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. Just, Father, I pray the power of God just moved through this body and heal this leg in Jesus' mighty name. Lord Jesus, we pray to straighten it out in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that it be straightened right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus, we pray that it be straightened out right now. The power of God just move through this body in Jesus' mighty name. Lord Jesus, we pray the power of your Spirit move through this body and completely heal it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Can you feel it? Praise you, Jesus. The power of God move this. Yes? Yeah? Yes. Go ahead and give the Lord a round of applause. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's worship the Lord in spirit, shall we? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We worship Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit falling right in this area here. The power of God is moving right in this area. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, just reach out and touch him just as he's passing by, as if the hem of his garment was right there. Just grab hold of it. Jesus. Someone here has an irregular heartbeat, and the Lord is healing it right now. A regular heartbeat. The Lord is touching you right now. Father, we pray the power, power of God just move through that body in the name of Jesus. There's an irregular heartbeat. The Lord is healing it. Jesus, just completely put that on the right beat. Put it on the right beat. Jesus, Jesus.
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's an irregular heartbeat. The Lord is healing it. The Lord is touching you right now. Jesus, we worship you. We give you glory and honor and praise. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. In the grand scheme of things, this seems very small, but the Lord is healing a fungus on someone's head. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. The Lord is, Father, we pray the power of God just move through that body. In Jesus' mighty name. Someone here, you were just praying for a little baby. The Lord says, I have heard your cry. My child, I've heard your cry. And I will be his deliverer. Lord Jesus. Jesus. Lord, we pray for all the babies that are in this congregation that are about to be born. Lord Jesus, we pray for it. We pray for it, Lord Jesus. Jesus. We pray for them. Watch over them. Jesus, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Holy one is your name. There's actually an anointing here for opening the womb and for a child to come forth. And the Lord says, they will not call you Sarah. Lord Jesus, just like with Sarah, open the womb, open the womb. Jesus, 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 we worship and adore you. Jesus. There's nothing that the Lord can't do. He really can do anything. Let us forever quiet our hearts in his presence and believe that the Lord is here. God bless you all, and thank you so much. The peace of God be with you. You guys can be seated for a moment. We want to go ahead and take up an offering for Anchor House Ministries. There's a couple different ways you can give. You can make a check uh, to Anchor House Ministries. You can give via cash or you can give uh, text to give. Text 84321 and put in their speaker. So you can text to give, text speaker and the amount. Dr. Davis, a question for you. If someone wanted to get involved with Anchor House Ministries, how would they go about doing that? Um, they can just call Anchor House or see Sandy. There's Sandy. Okay. I think this is a great opportunity for some of you in the community feeling stirred to help these young boys. I got some cards up here. If you want one, come grab one. I want to thank you, Dr. Davis, you and your wife for sharing this morning. That's a timely word for our body, I believe. St. Augustine, go ahead. 
there is still a healing here for the stomach. There's another stomach healing. And God is healing you. I need you to stand on that because the Lord has told me three times now. There's no question about that. Where are you? There is someone else. The Lord is healing your stomach. There's no question. Right here? Chad, would you stand with him right there and pray with him right there? Father, the power of God, just move through that body in the name of Jesus. Take away that stomach pain in the name of Jesus. Let it go completely away. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, we pray that it would completely leave in the name of Jesus. 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 Ooh, the presence of God. Mm. There's a quote, St. Augustine said, that he wasted much of his Christian life seeking God outwardly rather than inwardly. He's seeking God, looking for an outward manifestation and those are good and those are great. But the message today about being still before the Lord is that it, the Bible says it's Christ in you. He's living on the inside. Are you connected with the God who lives on the inside of you this morning? So I want to encourage us to seek the Lord in stillness. Let's go ahead and take up the offering. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give and to sow into Anchor House Ministries. God, we're asking, Lord, that you would bless this ministry. God, you would, God, reach these young boys, God, and change and transform their lives. God, I pray the Holy Spirit would rest upon this ministry. God, I'm asking for grace to be upon them. And God, send finances to them to reach these boys in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen.